Stage is set. The mics are on. It's not another fight cast time. With your hosts, fighting out of the blue corner. This man is a former fighter. The voice of Brave Combat Federation and Clan Wars MMA. The great and powerful Phil Campbell. Fighting out of the red corner. This man is a former fighter. And now one of the best coaches in mixed martial arts. The one and only Andy the icon, Burrow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome along to Not Another Fight Cast with myself, Phil Campbell, my host, Andy Burrows. Andy, how's it going? Brilliant. Getting on really, really well, Phil. Um, just a thank you to everybody who listened to our last episode with uh, Gary Hamill. Just to let you know, Gary won his fight on Saturday night. That is his final fight. He says his 95th kickboxing fight. And he says that's him completely finished. So he's happy with all the support that everybody gave him from Not Another Fight Cast. And for everybody who didn't listen to it, go back and give that a listen. Really, really interesting. Also give her uh, back catalogue a listen as well. But today we're more than happy to have with us one of Ireland's most popular uh, mixed martial artists and now one of Northern Ireland's most popular personal trainers. An excellent individual indeed. We have Mr. Aaron Wallace. Aaron, how the hell are you? Afternoon, folks. I am well. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me. No problem at all. Looking forward to doing this for quite some time now. So, Aaron, that's just, where are we now? Tell me, where are we now? What's this building? Uh, Reform Health and Performance in Molusk. It's a gym I've started personal training out of. Um, excellent facility, excellent people, very friendly. Can't really say any bad things about it at all. And um, the, the personal training, was that something that you always wanted to do? Or how did you, how did that, because you're, you're initially, you you were a full-time in security, weren't you? I worked for G4S for ten and a half years. So was... Then, was the PT in something you had an interest in, or was that something that come about organically? Was um, it a plan? Or? No, it was just from being in and about the gym, and um, people coming up and asking you, am I doing this right, am I doing that right, or what do you think of this, what do you think of that, and just my general interest. So I thought, well, I might as well go and get a qualification in it, and at least then potentially earn a, <laughs> earn a bit of money from it someday. So um, I've now left... G4S and I only recently there became now fully focused on my on my personal training. So and we so we live in we live in the era kind of social media and you're you're very active. We mentioned it there just kind of off um, off mic, just how important social media is nowadays. And, and you're very active on that. You see your stories. You're kind of you're always doing something. You, you if it's you know part of your story, sort of chatting to people out there, letting people know what you're doing. Is that something you make a concerted effort with, or is that something that you kind of comes naturally to you? Content-wise, um, posts I'll put on, I'll actually sit and think about them and plan them and write them out and research them to try and give a bit of value that way. Stories-wise, that's just an insight. <laughs> they're, they're not, there's nothing scripted on my stories, as you can probably tell by the waffle that comes out of me sometimes. Um, but no, I'd like to keep the, the actual posts mm-hmm. More business, you know, I'll check the grammar on them, make sure they're yeah. thing, and no, not use, try not use any swear words or and be professional with them. But the stories is more an insight, just then you know, we'll use what it for as you. personality ways, family ways, generally pictures of food. <laughs> uh, we bit of travel whenever I'm, if I'm away anywhere, and like that, I'll keep that for my, my stories, just to say to give people a bit of a personal insight to, into myself and 
the day-to-day sort of stuff. But I think things like that are important because it kind of breaks a little bit of the stigma around going to your PT because always people are nervous about something like that, especially if they're if they're coming from somewhere where they haven't necessarily been looking after themselves 100%. It also breaks down, you know, that barrier between, you know, the PT and the client mm-hmm. and it kind of familiarises yourself, it humanises you a wee bit. Was it, is that something that you, you thought about? Not consciously, no, not from... But me and the story seem to get a lot more... I think it's just a bit more demographic, a larger demographic because it can relate to you from that. Whereas if you, the content I would try and put out on the posts, um, you know, whether it be talking about carb cycling or mm. sleep deprivation, hindering fat loss, you know, some people just really skim past them and mm. don't bother. <laughs> but I think if you do it in a conversational kind of way and you can relate it back to personal experience, you say, obviously, I say, ramble usually. <laughs> <laughs> My Insta stories usually end up a ramble, occasionally end up a rump. But, you know, if somebody, if it triggers, maybe too strong a word, but if it stimulates triggers or whatever, or somebody end up going, oh, yeah, you know, maybe taking a step into the, coming through the gym door isn't a... It's a daunting prospect. Yeah, which it is for quite a lot. Huge. Which Huge. is one reason I do highly recommend this gym, even if it's not coming to work with me, but if you're just looking to come to a gym, yeah. there's no, for want of a better word, assholes in it you know mm-hmm. there's not too many people run the boot with stringer tops on <laughs> taking pictures of themselves throwing weights about throwing weights about yeah. there's no big grunters you know. I'm yes, not going then there is plenty of love a big grunt I mean, oh, he doesn't especially since they have like the what we've seen there on the way up the, the stairs a separate powerlifting suite yeah. there is boys in there lifting big numbers but most people out in the gym floors just doing their own thing you yeah. know there's no as I say it's not an intimidating Atmosphere, thankfully, for newbies to newbies no. to come in. It is a fantastic. When we come into the gym here, obviously our podcast is mainly about combat sports, but it's about the people who are involved in combat sports more than the actual act of fighting itself. When we come into the gym, what my first example of Phil is, I say, is what a fantastic space. It literally does have everything you'd ever want in a gym. Um, this is a sort of place that if I was ever have a gym, something I would really like to go to. Um, but it is fantastic, and obviously that's given you a home now to base yourself to further your own personal training career from. Um, you said there's guys in here pushing big numbers. For anybody who watches any of your Instagram stuff, you're pushing fucking ridiculous numbers in the leg press at the minute. Leg press and RDLs, I tend to stay away from my, my conventional deadlift. I've done my, um, a couple of years ago, set myself a goal of a one rep max. I wanted to hit in a deadlift, and I've done it. Um, I think it was December 2016. And I actually haven't been anywhere near a deadlift because it's just um, reward aspect of it. I'm injury, staying injury free is basically. The, I mean, there's nothing that'll hinder progress. People talk about am I on the right training plan? Am I on the right diet plan? You know, am I eating the right foods? Am I eating foods at the right times? Mm-hmm. And what's the best pre-workout to take? All them is very, very small variables when it comes to the biggest obstacle or hindrance that will stop you from reaching a goal in terms of in the gym whether it be to lose weight or build muscle is getting injured of course nothing will hold you back more than not being able to do anything for six weeks so what's the the best way to be conscious of injury prevention then exercise selection Um, don't lift with your ego lift with your head uh, in terms of I now I don't go below really about five reps on anything right. and that'll be me consciously building my way up to that there you know I'll not go oh well I've done 350 kilos in the leg press last week it felt alright 
Mama throw 400 on here and say, you know, I'll go 360. 370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-370-
just what we would do in terms of like check-ins and stuff like that there it wouldn't just be oh well what weight did you lift this mm-hmm. week you know mm-hmm. what did you drop on the scale and it'd be like how's your mood been how's your energy levels been how's your sleep been what sort of sleep you get much yeah. recovery what are you doing to recover correctly rather than just that's one thing I've kind of noticed from hydration's another one hydration's you know and you know what you, oh well that's struggled to you know, drink about a litre a litre a day how can anybody physically just drink a litre of water I mean I do a litre of water when I wake up in the morning you know just to rehydrate me from from sleep the being asleep before. I mean some people would find it difficult to drink a litre of water but 10 pints is 100% easy I, yeah. yeah I'm by one of those guys I'm not really, <laughs> not really. like I said yeah I smashed 12 beers yeah. on Sunday and was happy, was, oh, was happy but if that had been 2 litres of water I, pro- I couldn't have choked it down probably too. Yeah. probably couldn't have choked it down but mo- moving swiftly <laughs> off of that one thing I've noticed about your particular uh, way of PTing is it is very involved it's not just a case of come in do your work and leave again through people that I know that you've you've worked with um, you are very much involved. You check in. You know. You look at the nutrition. Is how important is that rather than just being like come in, do your work, and go again? It's all building blocks to it. I mean, obviously the training side of it, what you're lifting, progressively overloading the weights. You know, because the body adapts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can't just do the same workout and lift the same weights. Still, mm-hmm. doing the same thing and expecting a different definition of insanity. Yeah. Um, so you have to be constantly progressing that way but at the same time you can undo you can have a brilliant session in the gym and reap no rewards from it unless you're refueling recovering feeding the body after it mm-hmm. you know so it's it all it all plays a part but as now people are starting to realise now that the sleep recovery if you know it, for you to maximise your gains so to speak yeah. um you really do need to be ticking as many boxes because they're all near enough as important as you know you get to eat brilliantly if you come into the gym and spend more time talking and on your phone and you know just left in a comfort zone yeah you know no matter how good your diet is you can be hitting your protein target and hitting your calories and that there it's, you're counteracting that with poor workouts mm-hmm. and vice versa you could be training like an absolute beast in the gym you know progressing every week but the end of the day you're gonna only get so far unless your your food and your sleep and everything else is and taking how, as many boxes off as possible. How involved would you be in sort of monitoring or advising a client on the nutrition? Uh, well my I'd say my door is always open, it's usually a WhatsApp message is always open. Mm-hmm. Um, people clients of mine they would arm and head and best one example is like try and pre plan. You obviously if you're say you still not have an active social life it's all adherence wise and it's difficult because everything we do as a society is predicated on going for a drink or mm-hmm. going for food so you start, like I find the times that you end up draw, withdrawing a little bit socially when you're trying to look after yourself mm-hmm. so it's difficult that way see unless you are going to compete in terms of whether it be bodybuilding or if I'm looking after somebody who's making weight for a fight yeah, you've chose to compete you're going to have to sacrifice mm-hmm. for it especially in the last four or six weeks. Mm. But people complain about, oh, I can't get... You've chose to do... You, you know, so you've, an element of personal responsibility. You've yeah. chose to do it. You know, you're yeah. complaining in a, a calorie deficit when you're trying to make weight or get in shape for, yeah. for a bodybuilding show or if you're trying to make weight for a fight. You can't complain about being hungry. <laughs> you've chose you, to do you it. You can complain about your own fault. There, there's people around the world, you see it all the time, too. 
who would love to be as hungry as you don't have mm. food to eat mm. and on that's no fault or choice of their own but you're just, you're choosing to make a certain weight or have a certain look it's just, you know suck it on with it but yeah. for gem pop <laughs> for gem pop um, in terms of say 45 year old Sally who just wants to lose a few pounds say she's a wedding say she's a wedding because she's been invited to a wedding or something and she's well, say she's losing yeah. weight for a wedding mm. and she's her and the girls that are a bit married say a month before the wedding's going out she wants to get into less dress but they're heading out in a Saturday night go head out in Saturday night just you know if you're going out on a certain date well, I'd like to say bank a few calories for it okay mm. so if you're on 2000 calories a day eat 1800 calories a day Monday to Friday there's a thousand calories yeah. to bank on then you can have three thousand calories on the Saturday and mm. people would treat that in very commas as what's very popular at the minute as a refeed mm-hmm. in that respect although obviously mm-hmm. you're not really refeeding really no, the not, gym but again, I mean it's people taking their get obsessed with oh I have two thousand calories a day oh I haven't over be a hundred take a hundred off the next day yeah or people, over the course of a week you know hundred calories off or a week you, isn't that much say if you had yeah, an something unexpected pops up and you have to grab something to eat somewhere you know and it's up and you oh, must have went 500 calories over there you know I didn't something just popped up say a car broke down or something you had to go in the garage and grab a tight eat while you're waiting in the AA come don't lose any sleep over it's 500 calories or 1000 calories for the next few days take 100 or 200 calories off by the end oh, of the sorry. next week you're going to be back you know yeah or, or add in something different you know you said okay, 500 calories isn't really all that let's be frankly honest with you it's 45 minutes on a treadmill mm-hmm. if you want to push yourself up where, what do, it is. where do you stand on cheat meals because there's varying levels of approaches and theories to them and I think by virtue of the fact that I've, I have an issue with even calling it a cheat meal yeah. because there's something inherently I bad in that language uh, Insta story run <laughs> not that long ago actually that if you're dieting and you plan in your cheat meal refeed meal cheat meal reward meal whatever, reward meal, meal, whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. if you've done it and you've at the end of the day you're buying the food you can call it whatever the fuck you want <laughs> you, know I mean? you know what I mean you're uh-huh. paying for it people say you shouldn't demonise this you shouldn't demonise that the end of the day if it's if it's how you stay accountable to yourself mm. and on track I mean I know six and a half days a week I could tell you the exact gram of food ever and I have and every every meal mm-hmm. on a Saturday night I have a takeaway usually an Indian and a dessert just a wee corner just a wee corner peely rice and a chilli naan <laughs> and then <a> dessert <laughs> after which isn't tracked or traced or anything uh-huh. I don't call it a cheap meal tra- it's just a as part of your routine that's just what I yeah mm-hmm. but I I'll card cycle and stuff on the rest days and they allow me to have that on a on a Saturday night without doing any damage mm-hmm. whatsoever or it affecting your physique or your but training that, or your goals mentally the other six and a half days a week I'm perfectly right up until the Saturday evening that I look forward to having that cheat meal treat meal it's mm-hmm. not a refeed meal or anything mm-hmm. it's just an off plan meal on the Saturday night but at the end of the day I say I'm paying for it so I can call it whatever yeah makes sense you know but it's person dependent if it if that's what you need to call it and that keeps you on track the other six days of the week because you know you're getting that on a Saturday night if that works for you then you fire away it's all about it's 
been able to do something consistently over a long period of time. I mean, there's no point. So sustainability is key there because, especially with like fighter diets, for example, most of the time they're not sustainable outside of a fight camp, for example. It's what people would say to me in terms of like you would get, oh, I see this keto diet is it good for weight loss? Yes, well, you're taking out a complete macronutrient. Yeah, you're removing the majority of one whole. It's the same, the as, of the same as people say, if I skip breakfast, will I lose weight? Well, ideally, you probably should because you're taking a whole meal out of your day. Same as people say, intermittent fasting. If you're going to do intermittent fasting, do it for health reasons. Whether it's eating your digestion. Yes, whether it's eating your digestion. But if I say to you, you're allowed to eat 2,000 calories a day, and you spread that over six meals and ate from when you woke up until you went to bed. It's still the calorie value. Yeah. If you intermittent fast it and only ate between 12 o'clock and 8 o'clock, if you squeeze them 2,000 calories in between 12 o'clock and 8 o'clock, and then purely from a fat loss point of view, you're still eating 2,000 calories mm-hmm. in a day. Mm-hmm. But if that helps for your digestion and everything else in your gut health to fast for that long, then knock yourself out, do it. You know what's... Courses for courses, that yeah. their way. Like, I mean, it's but I think people, the likes of the keto, I would say, you know, is there a medical reason why you need to go to keto? No, you have epileptic. Mm. No, you're suffering from arthritis is one of the yeah. other factors yeah. for it. So, but I mean, if you're choosing just to go to keto to lose weight, I would say it's not a sustainable diet for the simple fact. I would say, well, in a year's time, can you still see yourself not having a bread, potatoes, rice, pasta, chocolate? You know. If you can't see yourself in a six months to a year's time, then it's not the right diet, so to speak, for, for you. It's the same any other ways with carnivore diet, the vegan diet. I've done yeah. a, a rump about them both the other day as well. But, <laughs> so moderation is really key. Yeah. It's some person dependent what you can adhere to. I mean, there's women there that I would give them advice on their diet and they're saying, oh, you know, I think I'm going to a wee biscuit with a cup of tea. Well, I work most people's diets off on sort of like 80 20, where I would like say, again, just for easy math, your 2,000 calories, 80% of that I want from good, clean, wholesome foods, you know, your chicken. Your single ingredients, right? Yes. All your earth grown stuff. Yeah. Like my dolce now. All your earth grown stuff, you know. But it's right in the way, you know, single ingredient, non processed stuff. Mm-hmm. See that other 20%. So out of the 2,000, 400 calories. Mm-hmm. See if you want to have a cup of tea with a couple of biscuits, have that. Because see 20% of your diet being from a bar of chocolate or something, it ain't going to do you no, no Plus your training still good at that point. And your Sleep activity levels are good in terms of your non-gym bit. You know, mm-hmm. you're active, you're getting yeah. 8,000 8, to 10,000 steps in a day or whatever. That, having a couple of biscuits and a cup of tea, it's not gonna, and if that means you can stay on that course for the eighty percent for three, six, nine, twelve months, at the end of that year, you're going to be a healthier person than what you were before you started, mm-hmm. and you're still. It takes away that. Seems to be the method of going into a binge. So if you're too restrictive with that, if you're a hundred percent clean, you find you get there about ten days, and then you think fuck it. The, uh, the safety cards can stop. The cupboard, the cupboards get raided. The never. You end up, you know, it's a Domino's gets ordered in, then there's, it's not one biscuit or two biscuits out of the time, but it's a pack. And then the guilt kicks in. Mm-hmm. And then you end up in that, within the next day, I'm not going to eat at all today. Mm-hmm. Um, why? 
Oh, because I gore I binged last night, no. And then you're not going to eat at all that Sunday. So then you're going to be starving, and then you're going to be craving everything you'll on the Monday. Crave sugar. And you're just going to go round and round in that that vicious circle, as you mm-hmm. say. And then you get the guilt sets in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're, what we're we're talking about there is uh, what you're saying is whenever people do have that sort of I, I use this to say about elastic band with that you stretch the dad so thin that it just snaps back and then you're basically having a Kentucky on top of a pizza with Chinese on the side um, that will then that's a great day yeah. do you know where I got this from right? do you know where this came from um, I was in uh, we were at uh, Bellator with Dan Obi-Wan and uh, he was having a fucking real food craving food fantasy and he was like, you know what I'm going to have? I'm going to have a fucking Domino's and I'm going to salt and chilli chicken on it. And then I'm going to get a KFC for the side. I'm like, that sounds like like your last supper before you get hanged or something. So that's what I that mean, What would your last supper be? Oh, if you had a starter, a main and a dessert. Oh, so that's, what, that's, that's, what would it be? Absolutely anything. Oh, I would not count calories here. Like, there's no point. <laughs> kind of, there's no point sticking your last supper in my fitness card. <laughs> Go for a wee sit down after. Um, uh, salt and chili calamari to start. Oh, mm-hmm. with maybe with maybe something maybe like a little bit of sweet chili sweet for chili. Dinner on the side. Oh, it's just Thai sweet chili. Dinner. Oh, I right. Main. Um, right, I'm going to cheat a wee bit with the, the main. Main is I want uh, a chicken and bacon pizza with a barbecue base, but I also want a little like chicken tikka masala to dip the crust into after to get rid of that mm-hmm. don't look at that's your last one mate you can have whatever you like you have whatever you want and then uh, here. dessert I'm having uh, chocolate orange cheesecake with probably chocolate fudge brownie ice cream on top and a wee coffee that's good. that sounds very very good go ahead Andy easy barbecue spare ribs it's a good shout uh-huh. my mum's chicken pie then followed by Bonoffi. I'm having Bonoffi for dessert. I love See, I have a theory. My missus thinks that mm-hmm. I only order Bonoffi when we're in a restaurant because mm-hmm. she doesn't like bananas. Right. She she'll not stick. But if you look at what you can get usually on restaurants, chocolate fudge cake, sticky, sticky coffee, pudding, mm-hmm. ice cream. You can buy all these in Tesco's and Asda. Yeah. You can't buy a fresh Bonoffi in it because the bananas go brown. Mm-hmm. So anytime I'm out, I get a Bonoffi. I want to preface it by saying I'm making the cheesecake myself. Because I make a cracking chocolate orange cheesecake. I mean, you're behind bars, mate, so you can't, you know, you're on death row here. Yeah, I know, I'm ordered in. I feel like I'm also trying to get myself a little bit more time. I need to go to the kitchen. I need to make this here. Are you really hoping for a reprieve just as the last portion of cheesecake passes? Yes, fuck it. I wouldn't even have the self-discipline to eat it slowly. That's the thing. No. No. That's, that's one, what we were actually talking about, digestion and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, but just your final media either. Stop skirting around the issue. Trying to get serious content in here for <laughs> Talking about digestion. And I, it's only recently that I have actually noticed how quickly I eat. Oh, I'm, I'm ravenous. Like, I've got this stage now where I purposely, like, put, and I'll try and set my fork down or I'll try and count like 10 chews before yeah. I swallow or mm. I'll try and take a couple of breaths before I get another forkful because I have consciously noticed over that that I literally scoff my food uh, if I go out for dinner with anyone I'm, I'm finished, finished yeah. first finished every time we went out for a carvery on Sunday and I had finished and it looked like as if my missus hadn't even you know Made it poured, poured the gravy over a sponge yet uh-huh. and I was like sitting Thinking about going up again, poke under dinner. See what I could steal off her, you know. Yeah. But that's, that's. But consciously now, I'm actually going, no, Arn, take a bite, chew it, mm-hmm. 
swallow it. Breathe. <laughs> Maybe even set the folk down because that obviously plays a part on mm-hmm. scoffing everything in. I try and not drink as much water while I'm eating now. Try and like stop drinking 20, 30 mm-hmm. minutes before. You know, let the, obviously the acid regulate and stuff so you can digest and uh-huh. then not drink water again until half an hour, 45 minutes after a meal just to try and lay all the acid in your stomach. Not yeah. and it's not wasting time. you're not blunting the acid by yeah. filling your stomach full of water. And then obviously that damages for most people listening to that damages obviously the transportation of nutrients in into the gut which sends it around the body if you're obviously if your acids. Digestive transit. Digestive transit. That's a little devil right there. Back to the name. Yes. yes. What would I go for? I would have a nice uh, go with it. The calamari for starters. It's underrated, isn't it? Not a lot of people are on side mm. with calamari. And the thing about calamari, as opposed to having like the soup of the day in your bread roll, mm. it doesn't fit. You up. It doesn't spoil your main course. The calamari. Uh, it's very light. Mm. Calamari. It's a moose bush, if you will. Calamari, mm. sweet chili dip, and then I would have have the best steak. Steak's good. Call. Mm. Steak. No, I have a How are you taking your steak? Medium. Right, we bit red in the middle. We bit pink in the middle. We bit pink in the middle. Yep, still friends. I'd have a wonderful steak there the other week. Where my mate was cooking it and in the restaurant, and I don't make onion rings or the bag of onions. No. He says, "Bulk." She says, "What do you want instead of that?" Day? I says, "And I mean, just even give me extra fried. Come out with chili prawns on the rascal on top of the steak. Absolutely. So it's literally the pot of pepper sauce was only used for the fries mm-hmm. because it didn't want us for it. See, because when they ate the chili prawns off the top, the chili butter sauce had went right through the steak. Oh, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even uh, oh, it would have been blasphemous to mm. dip that in the pepper sauce after oh. that are you, are you having a wee side with uh, your death row steak what are you having alongside it oh no just having the fries aye just keep it nice keep it simple and then it's a banoffee mm-hmm. with maybe like a salted caramel honeycomb or a white chocolate ice cream beside it Ooh. depending on where you go aye it depends mm. what, what kind of temperature you're in depends, where, depends where you go you'd be, you'd be hard fought getting like a wee cheeky white chocolate in and around Macabre I reckon mm. aye or Brooklyn Bay and Lauren, for example, your your vanilla down there, like right here. <laughs> you see, that's my that's my that's my favorite kind. You see, if, if I'm going to indulge in food, that's my favorite kind of place. Just because yeah. it's a diner style food. Mm. Teddy Ware, if you ever went to Hickory's Smokehouse in Newtonard, talk to me. Oh, see if you go in and you don't really know what you're wanting for a main, you can't decide between the pulled pork, the beef brisket, the half a rack of ribs, All or the goujons. You just get the Hickory's platter. It Ooh. sounds absolutely amazing. Hickory's platter comes with your choice of sides, so sweet potato fries, French fries, chunky chips, whatever. You get a wee bowl of barbecue pulled pork. You a get... bowl of pulled pork? Oh, this oh. comes out on a tray. It doesn't even put a plate. It comes out on a tray. You get a wee dish of barbecue pulled pork. <laughs> you get a wee dish of chilli chicken goujons. You get half a rack of ribs and you get a thing of beef brisket with a wee pot of barbecue sauce for it. I'd be, I'd be wanting half a plain loaf with it as well. Half a plain half loaf. Half a plain loaf with proper butter. <laughs> the most Irish thing you can ask for with it. <laughs> two slices of bread. <laughs> Just the two heels in plain loaf. Oh, Brooklyn Bay does a donut burger. I'm not, a big, burger. I'm not a big burger fan. I love a good burger. I'm a, I'm a beef and bird sizzler. Two, two, uh, two uh, uh, sugar donuts, gravy right. donuts, and that's your burger bun. Holy shit. Unbelievable, man. It's just like... Diabetes. Ah, it? oh, it's so good. I'll, I'll happily lose a foot to eat that once a week. Is that, <laughs> and that's in that, that's in Lauren. Uh huh. What do you call it? 
Brooklyn, Brooklyn Bay. Bay. Okay, listen, Brooklyn Bay, if you're out there, we'll happily accept sponsorship. Yeah. We'll plug in the life out of you. And Hickories and Arts, exactly the same thing. I accept money. Free food actually would be far, far better. Donut burgers. So, donut burgers. Whatever you have out there, we'll happily accept it. Um, for another shameless plug, 100%. <laughs> to, to, switch, to switch gears ever so slightly, Aaron, how do we know each other? <laughs> <laughs> the training in a cattle shed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are actually not even joking there. Uh, we, um, uh, from back in the must have been what 2012 ish, yeah, 11, 12. Yeah, yeah, um, back in the day. Back in the days of the bull ring, we trained at the bull ring of Ballyclare. Yeah, happily named the bull ring because it once did house bulls and cows. Yeah, it was set like an open-ended cattle, cattle shed, shed where, yeah. where, where mats on the on the ground. You know, you go into gyms now and they're. Uh, MMA gyms now are in industrial estates and they're you go in and there's almost like a reception area they're, they have a cage mm-hmm. got, we had a concrete floor concrete floor concrete walls peacock yeah our, our mascot there's a line and a living peacock that sat in the rafters that would critique your jiu jitsu so if you were on your back for some reason you were looking up and there was just a peacock Oh, you got up before it shat on you. Uh, which, 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 which then happened to a few boys. It's one way I get one way I'm not stalling your back. Uh, you were doing your cage work, like your wall work, off a concrete wall. These weren't padded, these weren't like cage padded walls or anything like that. And in the winter, you lost sort of a third of the gym because it flooded. I either flooded. Snow or rain. Yep. Madness, man. People today don't know they're alive in that. Technically, no. in the winter, in there. Not even technically, factually, it was colder inside because it had a oh, nice iron roof. Without a shadow, eh? So it had that very freezer oven effect. In the summer, it was warmer inside, it heated up with the rays of the sun all day. And in the winter, when the snow was landing, thing, it was actually colder inside the gym than what it was on the outside. And what kind of guys were running about at that time, were? Oh, Pete Wilson was the Pete Wilson. Oh, Pete, Pete Wilson was the. the I think we I think we've mentioned Pete in nearly every. He was the he was the, uh, he was the 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 head honcho at the time. Uh huh. Um, who helped him out? We darn. Mm-hmm. Movena. No. Um, oh. From Glenarm. Yes. Yes. Darn. Um, um, Macaulay. Darn Macaulay. Macaulay. Sorry. Sorry. Macaulay. Mate. Took a blink there. Uh, and big Peter Davy. Peter Davy. Yeah. Hi. Uh, he. He came in and jumped in for a few sessions as well, uh, but no, what a what a mad and beautiful place. But what, what, like a great group of guys to train with. You had Danny McDonough. Vincey. Big Vincey, aye. Big aye. Robert McTrusty would have appeared there right at the very start and then sort of moved away from it. He fought in... James Scott. He fought in a cage contender back in, back in the day. I think it was in the Clarion down in Cars. A full cage contender mm-hmm. even went to the... The back of the Ulster Hall, Madness. or not the Ulster Hall, sorry, King's Hall. Mm-hmm. Before it even went there, he fought somebody in the Clarion Hotel back in the day. James Scott was there. Mm-hmm. He's now smashed it. He's they turned into proper jiu-jitsu. He's, he's, he's in Canada now, I mm-hmm. think. Smashed it. He actually fought James McIlrean in an amateur fight in the Clan Wars. Actually, a very very good fight. It was in Since Nightclub. Mm-hmm. Clan Wars was mm-hmm. back there. That would have been like was Clan that, Wars. Was that the same one? Peter took a short notice K1 fight against Deggy Dalton. Against Deggy uh, Dalton. I was on oh. a couple of days' notice or something. Took it in a co- Pete had the Mohawk at the time. Mm-hmm. Took it in a couple of days' notice and fought Deggy Dalton and a, and a K1 fight. Speaking of taking short notice fights in the bull ring, <laughs> you took a short notice fight on Cage Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> for, uh, for all my sins, I, Pete phoned me on the third, late Thursday night. 
um, asked me what I was doing. I distinctly remember it was just after a Valentino's pizza and a portion of hot wings. Because <laughs> they used to do their meal day on a Thursday night. And um, so, got it, was laying on the sofa, about half ten, phone rings. What are you doing? And he says, I'm laying here in a pure card coma. Why, what have you uh, told them already? He says, uh, ring me, I'll ring you back in the morning, let me know what weight you are. I went, right. So that triggered something in the head straight away. That'll do. So woke up the next morning, took the weight, 89 kilos or something it was. Pete, uh, Alex, I'm calling Alex on Pete, that. You were 89 kilos. I was 89 kilos. Pete phoned me, says, uh, do you want to do fighting cage warriors tomorrow in London? And I was like, well, it's cage warriors, you know, you can't really, uh-huh. can't really say, no. say no. Can't really say no to cage warriors. Like, I mean, that time it was, it's pretty much, but at that time it was, mm-hmm. you know, um, Carl Pendred and all them boys were all still fighting. Yeah. At that time, it would have been the you know because Bellator wasn't in Europe. Okay, then. It wasn't really no, around. Uh, it, it was it was the European. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To say Bellator was still only doing stateside. They hadn't yeah. come over. And Bama wasn't really doing much at the time. Case I said, well, I can't really turn Cage Warriors down. And I says, any other details for me? He says. There'll be a light heavyweight, so you won't need to worry about making weight. I says, right, and I says, any idea who I'm fighting? He says, no, um, just know it's a fella from a Taekwondo background. I says, right, that'll do. <laughs> that was all right, I had to send him a picture of my passport and that there. I went through, um, Don McCauley sent his that he was going, was like one corner man. Uh-huh. So, come back that night, um, confirmation from Graham Boylan and that flight times and that flew from the International into London Luton on a Saturday morning uh, trained to St Pancras picked up outside it in a cage warrior's jeep took to a hotel um, dropped off at the hotel was told I'll come back pick you up at 4 o'clock or whatever it was um, me and Darren went got a bite date come back went for a sleep got picked up took to the venue it was a HMV forum in Kent East Town mm-hmm. but it was a lot of Carl Pendred fought for a world title or won the world title that night Redzer was on the card Alan Philpott was on the card um, Jack Mason fought Matt Inman Jack has destroyed Matt Inman he is a big scary dude Matt Inman Matt Inman was Matt the, Inman's, the, the Matt, size disparity between the two Matt, must have been mad because Matt Inman's what uh, 155 or not aye uh, and um, Jack Mason was fighting that was a welterweight fight mm. and I remember <laughs> as well it's because I was walking about at 89 kilos I'm in getting my hand wrapped it fell from the like London fight store or something mm-hmm. whatever it was and um, Jack Mason come walking through the thing and obviously oh Jack how's it going and Phil told me he says well how are you feeling after the week he says I'm grand he says oh well what you know where are you this morning he says I was 91 kilos when I left the hotel there I was like one's fighting two divisions below me and he's heavier <laughs> and that's, that's yeah. for, for people who may not know welterweight is 77 kilos he was so he's gone from 77 to 91 Cahill Pendred I was in the same change rooms Cahill Pendred and they say he's warming up there with John Calvin and that there and I'm looking at him going that man's fighting for a welterweight world title I'm fighting a light heavyweight and he's making me look like a wee boy <laughs> you know but he's a big dude yeah, anyway. like he's a massive a big dude. guy as well but I so it's in I think it was like the third third fight of the night or something that there um, against uh, Darn Stewart whatever happened to him aye well Darn I actually still with Bessie's and we get Bessie's the odd time uh, just on Instagram and stuff like that there he's uh, now uh, in the UFC he's <laughs> UFC veteran well, Darn incidentally, Stewart nobody would have picked Darren the other night um, 
his fight last two weeks ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I picked him easy to win that. Mm-hmm. The guy's fighting the small dude. Stop uh, What do you call him? He's one of Cormier's guys. Can't remember his name. It's terrible. Can't remember the dude's name. But I predict, predicted Darren would beat him all day. I beat him a decision. Yeah, but he's he won that comfortably as far as I can see. He may be getting pretty close to a top fifteen fight. Mm-hmm. Ah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, so, but, so, uh, so you fought UFC veteran. <laughs> fought, him at, um, fought him at late and peaked when he said Taekwondo background. Didn't happen to tell me that the, the Taekwondo background. Oh, you think, no, maybe he's done a wee bit of Taekwondo when he's younger. Was seven or something? No, he was like a fourth degree black belt and fourth first. Man. Fourth degree black belt and first reserve for the GB Olympic team in 2012. So he had a bit about him, like? Honest to God. We came out, touched gloves, I shot around and he hit me a leg kick with it. I honestly thought he'd snap my leg. <laughs> Honest <laughs> to God, I thought he'd snap my leg. So here's me, more worried about the leg kick, come out, exchanged again, caught me with a left hand, dropped me, bounced it, and basically apart from about 30 seconds of the second round where I've got a triangle on, mm. I get beat up basically for eight and a half minutes. <laughs> but in fairness now, and at the end of the fight when the bell rang, the two of us were standing in the middle of the cage sort of half hourly well throwing what had left <laughs> I wouldn't say there were short snappy punches like you know <laughs> trying to survive but uh, I I definitely l- I learnt more from that fight than what mm. I did any of my wins like was that the the fight that kind of acted as the catalyst for, for pushing you on a wee bit I come back because I'd fought a year before that um, made my debut in Clan Wars and you know, that was only my second fight against Don Stewart mm-hmm Plus, I gave him nine kilos. We'll put that on the record. He was ninety-eight kilos that night. Um, <laughs> before he cut, he's obviously cut the middle weight now. Um, but I fought Clan Wars. I think it was Clan Wars ten. Now we're in Clan Wars thirty-seven. Makes me mm. feel ancient. Yeah. But Clan Wars ten in the Ulster Hall. The April before that, and I broke my hand in the first round. Was that the one we all went back to sporties after? Ah, that was mate. And then a, a house party. So <laughs> that, that was the one. But. Um, so I was out for a while and then never got another fight and then they'd say that come up mm-hmm. so took it and then after that I was pretty active after that mm-hmm. for uh, four fights four fights I yeah. had five in the space of 15 months which you know for against the pro that's a, it's mm-hmm. active amateurs now are yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot more active than that but I mean that was decent enough shows like I mean that was Cage Warriors against Darn was the March then I fought Magic Magic Gerzuski who's fighting this headline and brave headline and brave knocked out Keane Cowley yeah fought him beat him in Elster Hall in August Um, then I fought Dara Kennedy Big Dar, what a character. Um, Where is that? Lovely fella. Yeah, brilliant. The former head coach of Kokoro MMA. Yeah, really yeah. solid guy. Like, fought Lovely him. Look. That was, Magic was August. Fought him in November. Fought Magic at, sorry, fought Darn at light heavyweight. Magic at middleweight. Then fought Dar at light heavyweight again. Because the, the fight against Dara was the qualifier. Was IMA the IMAS. Yeah, that, so that fight um, qualified me to fight in Vegas at the mm-hmm. amateurs. Um, and Vegas was going to be same day weigh-ins so there was no way I was making middleweight but so I was walking about it I was walking about it 93 kilos that was grand so what was your experience like because I must at, at the time I don't think they were as they were they were huge outside of 
sort of our own little MMA bubble, but we didn't realise at the time because now we know just how prominent the IMAFs are. Mm-hmm. So what, what was your experience like of going going over to going over to fight in Vegas? <laughs> going over to Vegas for eleven days with uh, no coaches. <laughs> who was who was who was in the team? Me, Lee Bomber from Big Next Bomber, Gen, yeah, fantastic banner like Lloyd Manning. Lloyd Manning, yeah, from he was out of. Um, Muscari Judo Sambo Club at the time and they'd done a bit of boxing and this was Team Ireland before there was an Ulster IMAF yes yes, this was the Irish team um, a few of the other fellas that had qualified decided not the not the go Darnell Gorman yep Cage Warriors mm-hmm. saying now Better, yeah. he decided not to go there was a couple of the SBG fighters decided not to go either there was busy one fighter was selected through um, trials or qualifiers qualifiers yeah. I mean that I think I shared that card the other day on my Facebook. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a card. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, it's, uh, Dennis Perry against um, Lee, Lee Balmer. Balmer. Lee Balmer's first drop down the middleweight looks superb, really. I mean, Dennis Perry's a good, good fighter. Dennis Perry's a cracking fighter, actually. Lee Balmer destroyed him that night. Mm. Destroyed mm. him. Lee, Lee but he, his hands were ridiculous. Yeah, um, dropped. Oh, SBG. Ron McGregor's big. Charlie Ward Charlie Ward yeah oh. Lee Bomber put him on his arse Charlie Ward ended up winning the decision mm-hmm. sort of wrestled him after that there Charlie Ward ones. came out swinging as Charlie Ward always yeah, comes out swinging was big man as well and Lee clocked him and Charlie didn't want to know about the stand up after that there <laughs> um, but that on that same card that night with the IMAFs was one of the best fights ever in Clan Wars Glenn Irvine against Arnold Kennedy yes it was also two savages. The thing was about that fight, it was overshadowed by a certain Car McNally's Rolling Thunder armbar on Ross McCorson, which went viral, yeah. and nobody mentioned any other fight in the card uh, after that. <laughs> but that Lee, or that sorry, Aaron Kennedy Glenn Irvine fight was one of the best fights you'll ever see. Is that on YouTube now? Though I wonder is that fight. You might be able to find it somewhere on because people haven't seen that. They really people, no go and see that, and plus obviously look up the armbars. That was Clam Wars. 17 mm. I think maybe it's around about that but Clan Wars 17 that would have been November 2013 13. around about that mm. if you're looking for it on YouTube but that was a, but that was a I mean them two literally I seen the because I was fighting end up headlining that card <laughs> <laughs> but um, that I seen them coming back up and obviously the, the changing rooms and that there and the I mean, the two of them are literally having to be carried out of the cage. Mm-hmm. They, they, when you say leave it all mm-hmm. in there, them two, I mean, if they left any more in there, they wouldn't have been coming out of the cage. Them two battered each other for three full rounds. Because mm-hmm. Glenn went on a run of just decimating people before that. Mm-hmm. Just heavy, heavy hands. And if, if he caught you, you stayed caught. Yeah, you're just that kind of a striker. Mm-hmm. That was a welterweight too. Mm-hmm. And then, I say, Carl, Glenn... Or sorry, Carl, Arn, and Joe McCoban won that night yeah. as well, and then they all went down to fight on Battle Zone against ones that won down there to see who mm. who ended up going to Darn O'Gorman beat Carl. I can't remember the name of the fellow that beat Arn in the welterweight, and um, Lloyd beat Joe McCoban. So you head out there, you head out to Vegas. What was the experience like? Is had another fight in between that. I thought. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you remember very well Celtic Gladiator oh, yeah. <laughs> in the yeah. City West Hotel in Dublin City West Hotel it was my I'd fought before that but it was my first fight representing IFS because we'd yeah. moved to, to IFS at after, the time. after the bull ring after, after, after the bull ring yeah, closed. Closed. Like this 
is a, a, a sneak depth. So what you're saying there, an in-depth view into the mind of Phil Campbell, which is a really terrifying thought. So Celtic Gladiator, we touched on this ever before, but there is no better way, way to share this story about how crazy that show sounds. So please let it go. Tell me the story. Yeah, I mean, from start to, <laughs> from start to finish, that is the maddest, mentalist, weirdest, funniest guy. MMA promotion I've ever fought on. Definitely, I think it was yeah. Polish run. Yeah, it was Polish, Polish days run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's me and Phil. Obviously, you get to the venue, saying City West Hotel in Dublin, and filling in your medical forms and that. I'm sitting the left hand side. Phil sitting beside me. I'm filling my form in. I notice Phil's writing looks like something a P two would have done. <laughs> on closer inspection, Phil Campbell, the old awkward southpaw, is filling this medical form in with his right hand. I says, Phil, what are you doing? He says, I don't want them to know my lefty. <laughs> and it took him about 20 minutes and it looked as if a four-year-old... Because my, <laughs> my opponent was milling around. He was circling around. Everybody, all everybody, all the fighters were in the same room. Yep. And because Phil didn't want them to know he was a lefty, he wrote with his right yeah. for, uh, No, he well, hemmed right. the right with his right hand. I don't say was. I got the worst fucking cramp as well. But I didn't want him, I didn't want him to know he was a lefty because I think I had two fights at that stage but I don't think any of them were... They were probably in a GAA hall somewhere. All, well, one of them was in uh, the Ballyclare Comrades Club. Oh yes, yeah, that was a now demolished. Now demolished. <laughs> aye, that's that's how old we are. But um, so that was uh, that was the weird, wonderful mind of Phil. But say that promotion from start to finish. You went in and they had some like fighter. Pr- there's the fighter parade first. Oh, oh, oh so they, 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 oh, rolled, they rolled us. They rolled us out. But you actually walked. It wasn't. They had a rump. You like, walk down this full ramp from a stage with lights and all, mm-hmm. full ramp down, so you're above the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very pride, sort of, yeah. into the cage, but then you had to do the fighter walk, like, as if you're in a Roman Coliseum. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're, my opponent was my opponent was behind me. So then I started thinking, fuck, how does somebody who's right-handed walk? Oh, we were not in terrible. <laughs> terrible. But fighter parade. But then you had a, like a, a local, like a bakery. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the sponsors of the event. They had it set up outside the change rooms in like a wee gazebo with like a stall. cakes and buns and all. And then there was obviously the bar was right beside it and uh, they were making food and everything coming through. There was girls. There was a break there was a break between the fight before me and my fight. Mm-hmm. And they said there's going to be an intermission. I was like, why? I warmed up and everything. It goes, oh, sorry, it's the final of the All-Ireland Pole Dancing Championships. Of course it is. In the cage? Fuck it. They erected the pole in the centre of the cage. Good use of the word erect. (laughs) Well, you know, erected the pole in the centre of the cage and had just women spinning around it in the middle of an MMA show. Now, for the lads in attendance, this was probably shouting and drinking their beer beer and having a laugh. Then warming up for warming up for the fight, and you're there hitting pads, and like half a dozen scantily clad women in underwear come walking through the changing room with slices of cheesecake, with sponsors wrote on their legs and like painting yeah. marker, while you're hitting pads trying to warm up, and they're walking about the changing room. That's, two, that's two of my favourite things as well. About cheesecake and scantily clad women in that order. Aye, and walking about with with trays. With bit slices of cheesecake on it while you're standing hitting pads trying to warm up for a fight. Who thought this was a fucking great idea? I do not know. And it was it was a long show, and I remember there was all this preamble. There was lots of it. There was for being a show in the city western thing. There was Brazilians in that card. 
there was polls and that there was people from all over the place it was, it was a huge it was shuffle and yeah. a big international thing of course I thought I felt in Dublin uh, Liam Hughes <laughs> Liam Hughes, <laughs> Hughes. He's, now, he's now studying sports science or something he's oh, doing, he seems to be doing, seems be doing really well but I remember there was a lot of preamble before that fight your fight finally comes around and it, it didn't last very long it was 40, t- 45 TKO via leg kick oh well I asked Debbie Logan actually refereed it um, and I didn't realise until watching the footage back after it was like a sort of it was like a you could have called it one of three ways I landed a leg kick he went down did you fall I, up? I yes I because he looked whenever I landed a leg kick and he went down as if he was tapping mm. but I went over and put a couple of punches on Decky then stopped the fight but when you see it from the other angle it was recorded whenever he went down from the leg kick the corner through the towel in as well <laughs> <laughs> so I was like I said to Decky after me did he tap from the leg kick and Decky says I think so but I wouldn't have been confident enough, especially in the home to call it yeah. you know just in case he had just went down in that way so but literally it was like maybe one or two punches and then Decky had stepped in anyway it's the only time I ever really saw you nervous before a fight because it was about it was for an Irish title I was for a Celtic Gladiator like everyone mm-hmm. take mm-hmm. it was the first time I seen you nervous and you went in and fucking no no disrespect to Liam whatsoever but you, you blew him away with I don't the think first he exchange. Don't that, was, that, was, that was the first exchange he didn't land uh, circled about a wee bit and do a couple of tapes and stuff like that and a jab just to mm-hmm. sort of get range but the first time I landed a big leg kick that was uh, I got out of that there without uh, I don't think he landed uh, no he didn't and like the consulate professional that Big Iron is the rest of us went on the drink mm-hmm. Because he had Vegas coming up straight to bed. Oh, I think I had a pint of black currant and a handful of blueberries. Uh-huh. And the typical mad Polish promotion that it was. On the lobby bar just behind the Reset City West, they had a DJ set up and <coughs> was playing, pumping out Polish hard house the rest of the night. Mm. Nice. Anybody had travelled down, there was actually quite a, a decent crowd come down. There was, that. there was always a crowd followed you, like. That's, that was you know, one of the, the distinctive marks of, of your fighting career for ones that weren't even now hats off to me because most of them don't even watch UFC or mm. you know, it literally was just yeah. an excuse for a drink and go and cheer the big mate on that was nice day I went I went on the drink oh, after that like big time mm. I fell in on a couple of terrible terrible yeah. thousand estates in Bally Claire after, after some of my fights just Armageddon like just good choices are always made at that point so nobody ever makes a bad choice after no. I had my sister and her friend had come down and they were staying as well so I, I crashed on their floor and then the next day there was um and an, just paying the room and everything and there was like um, an added uh, bill or itemised bill for a sandwich at three in the morning and I was like fuck I, I didn't ring room service or anything like that after being absolutely smashed to bits on the the kitchen was open right so I went in and made myself a sandwich but I had the good grace to tell reception <laughs> I was like, just so you know, he's left the kitchen open and made a ham sandwich. <laughs> that, I, was, have, I was still wrote at breakfast. You had never oh. seen, it was like carnage. It was like a, the apocalypse. Uh, the walk of bed. Everybody at the, because it was bed and breakfast oh, was yeah. it, in the city west, you have never seen an array, like a, a collective of absolutely abysmal looking human beings sitting there. Nearly every one of them still absolutely relaxed than the night before. Bingo, yeah, Matt Fowler tried to eat basically a Sunday dinner for breakfast. He was that one over. He had spuds and everything on his plate. 
first thing in the morning. I because t- I was, like it was. I think it was the first time I had fought at sixty six, so it was a, a big cop for me. So. I for breakfast I just had like twelve of those like mini bread rolls with butter, and that was just me smashing them into me, yeah. happy as a pig in shit. There was a few rough souls driving up north that next <laughs> that next morning. Oh, the bus up was torturous. Hateful. Good. I was a great night though. Great. Just mm-hmm. a, just the, the greatest oddity of shoes I've ever been part of. <laughs> oh, it was the weirdest uh, by far, by far and away the weirdest. <coughs> but yes, Vegas. Vegas, I uh, Vegas. So because Vegas was. Uh, the f- that was the first World Championships, mm-hmm. first amateurs um, set up in Vegas, um, beside the Thomas and Mac Center, where mm-hmm. Thomas and Mac Arena, where Dave Hill fought, um, mm-hmm. Ricky Hatton fought, Jose Luis Castillo won it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the building attached on the side of it, the HP Pavilion or something that was sponsored. It was yeah, not by these Americans like the Cause it's on it's on, it's on, it's on, on the university U- campus as University of Las Vegas on their campus, and so as most universities do mm-hmm. there college basketball team had like a 25,000 seater stadium mm-hmm. huge and that's why Americans do have such great sport credentials because simply they take college sport well, they take high school sport they take sport in general very very seriously like the HP right. pavilion where we fought that was basically attached onto the mm-hmm. side of the uh, Thomas and Mac Centre I think it was used for like their girls basketball team I mean that was mm-hmm. sponsored by HP yeah. you know it wasn't just this you know, sponsored by the local taxi ride. or named yeah. after the vice principal or something like that. You know, it was HP sponsored. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the building that the girls' basketball team played in. Um, so, but it was all because it was run in conjunction with um, International Fight Week um, mm-hmm. out there at the time. Uh, there was two full UFC-sized octagons. Mario Yamasaki, um, a few of the other referees mm-hmm. from UFC and Nevada State Athletic Commission was all there. It's all very, very. Now, it was, say, well run, it was you know, a lot of big names and stuff there, mm-hmm. but a few teething problems with it, because um, it was the first time first ever done it, yeah. people from all over the place, but... Because there was, for, for, for people who have maybe never seen the IMAFs, there's more than one fight going on at a time. Aye. It's not like, uh, you know, the the way we would have shows over here, where there's a lot of the fanfare around it, it's... It's not diluted, but it's almost normalising the fighting. Because well, there was no two or three cages going on at once. Anybody that was there to watch was just teammates and any family that had. Yeah. Um, I say there wasn't you no know, tickets or there wasn't crowds mm. in or MMA fans, so to speak. It was just like, you know, you'd have been fighting somebody and his mum and dad and his granddad had been sitting watching, mm-hmm. you know. T- like my dad flew over. Um, apart from him, there wasn't really that many other that many other ones on there. I mean, we didn't have any coaches. Mm. That's why. So you were just cornering each other? Me, Lee and Lloyd uh, fell in a wee bit with Luke Burnett. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ex-UFC fighter, he was Current out. ACB fighter, yeah. He yeah. was out with um, Nigel, oh God, I'm terrible with names today, from uh, one of the gyms over in England, um, one that likes uh, Maguire and Jack Mason and all mm-hmm. was from, uh, one of the coaches there. Uh, they were out looking after the UK team Um Barney had just come off the Ultimate Fighter at Team Sonnen one and all that there, um, Jail Sonnen's team. So he was over he was over for that. Um and they sorta of give his hand that way, you know, if any of them was free they mm-hmm. come in. Um, another fella from Vegas, um, runs a gym out there, Silver uh, Steve Pellegrino. Told me he was half Irish. Of course he is. Aye. So he did your corner. So he had <laughs> <laughs> Oh then you're part of the team, come oh, on. Great. That well-known Irish name, Pellegrino. Aye, but he's all, um, he 
he's like a cork or something. <laughs> he's a Carson Gracie black belt, <laughs> so he knows he knows yeah, his stuff. He knows his stuff. So him and Lee cornered me for my fight. Me and Lee cornered Lloyd for his first fight, and then me and Lloyd were fighting at the same time on on our quarterfinal fights. Separate cages. Yeah. Separate cages. Um, I think Lloyd was fighting a French fighter and I was fighting a Romanian and Steve and Lee got my corner and Luke Barnett done Lloyd's so it was just you know like yeah we just happened literally just fell in with them but it's even the likes of the draw for a thing I went along because I didn't have to I had no weight to cut I was already what I was walking about like 91, 92 kilos so I was alright so I said to Lee and Lloyd you two go to, I'll go to the draw so I went to the draw and they're like, sorry, you can't, no fighters. I said, well, we don't have any coaches, so I'm going to yeah. have to go into the draw. There's no... <laughs> so that was all right. Draw went on for hours. Flip charts and everything else. Oh, they're not just like the FA Cup, pull them out of a hat, no? no. So was, was teething problems, obviously, it being yeah. the first one. This draw thing went on for ages. So I came back, I was like, right, Lloyd, get the, make sure you're sleeping, you're fighting, you know, tomorrow morning. He was fighting a big Canadian. But Lloyd, don't know if anybody listening to this that doesn't know Lloyd's background. Lloyd's background is making combat sambo. Lloyd's went out to Georgia and mm-hmm. stayed for months. And I think Lloyd's ranked top three in Europe, top six in the world. He's been out to Japan to complete mm-hmm. combat sambo words and leg locks, arm so locks. Combat sambo is essentially MMA and a gi. And you can hear about yeah. it. Yeah. And you can hear about it. But so. with all, like, really many. He was fighting a Canadian. And I says, Lloyd, that's a fellow you're fighting. Canadian, tall, skinny. Look at them legs. And he just smiled. And I think Lloyd went in, knee-barred him within 35 seconds. Class. Holy shit. He's dead decent. I remember asked speaking to Joe McCogan after um, he fought Lloyd in the the final to see who was going to Vegas. And Joe had said he had never... I mean, Lloyd's not a big, massively built, but he says in the clinch, he had never felt anybody with the strength of what Lloyd I mean Lloyd's a black belt in judo has been since mm. no way I mean his dad um, thinks Lloyd's dad runs the judo sambo club down in Muscari where he's from just outside Cork so he's been brought yeah he's basically doing that who was it um, come up to IFS a few times Phil Commonwealth Games coach Northern Judo Mark Montgomery Mark Montgomery I spoke, I spoke I love the fact I spoke to Mark after I came back from Vegas I was talking with Lloyd and I said no obviously he knows Lloyd through the judo and I said ah, he's doing a wee bit more sambo at the minute and I said I think he's doing the Irish and he just turned around me and says as long as Lloyd Manning enters the Irish championships he will win it for as long as he cares to enter Jesus he says Crazy. he's that good he says as long as he you know decides that he wants to he enter wants to compete, that's him. as long as he wants to compete he will win the Irish judo championships he says that's how good he is I don't think they don't realise how tough and how difficult judo at a good level is it's but, ridiculous I mean that's what I would say he's mm-hmm. the Northern Irish yeah. Commonwealth Games mm-hmm. coach and he says as long as Lloyd entered the thing that's, that's how good he was it's a legitimate, legitimately difficult fucking combat sport I know people call it playing judo like they say playing jiu jitsu you don't fucking play that game yeah. well we say ended up now, tell, us, tell us about your, your fight your experience of the whole Vladimir Mavrodin that's who I fought in a, a that's quarter, a name that's going to be etched in your brain for the rest quarter, of your life isn't it a quarter fainer um, and he actually got back in he got beat in the last 16 by a big Austrian who then when the UFC looked into it had had 
pro fights and pro K1 fights. Oh, okay, so the ringer. Alexander, he f- knocked out Jimmy Manoa there. Volkanov? No, no. Alexander, oh, he was terrible to do. Um, In Manoa's last fight? Manoa, he got knocked out with a. And that's Manoa's, the same dude? That's the same one. Where is he? Was sure. I, can't, I, I know who you're talking about. Scary looking uh, dude. No, 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 no. no, no, no. It was a. Uh, What's his name actually? Rakic. Rakic. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Rakic. Alexander Rakic. Alexander Rakic. Yeah. He actually fought. He was there to fight in the, the worlds, but then when Joe, Joe Ratner, in UFC, the like head of commission, mm-hmm. looked into Mark it. Ratner. Mark Ratner. Yeah. And the UFC head of like head of commission thing mm-hmm. looked into it and said like we had actually got the stage where. My hands were wrapped and I was warming up. So you would have been fighting. I was meant to fight. I was meant to fight. Right. On the, say, the, the Tuesday. Mm-hmm. That's who I was meant to be fighting. And we were like, I had my hands wrapped, gloves on, was warming up. And Mark Radekman went, fights off. I went, like, literally, mm-hmm. this is five minutes before going into the cage. Mm-hmm. And he says, no, he's a pro record. And he brought up like video footage of him fighting in... Prague or something and a front air crowd of like twelve and a half thousand and a pro K one fight. <laughs> and they were like bastard. And then they were like, No, he's he's been pulled. I says, What happens now then? He says his opponent that he fought yesterday says you'll fight him in two days' time mm-hmm. or something like that and I was like, Right, that'll so hand wraps, gloves and all mm-hmm. back off, cool back down again. And mm-hmm. um, so fought uh, the Romanian national champion the quarterfinals beaten by decision tore the ligaments yeah you didn't get you didn't get cleared for the tore ligaments on my ankle at the start of the third round went through the rest of the fight and literally the the adrenaline dump as soon as the fight was over up the balloon Mm. they took me down to a like a private medical thing got x-ray and scan um back to back on campus and a set of crutches oh god um meant to fight a Norwegian in the semi-final the next day but that was it you had to go for the medicals that morning and their rules at the time were you weren't allowed to be taped you couldn't even have taped it up but I couldn't mm. put any weight on it anyway mm. it was on crutches but you weren't allowed you weren't even allowed to be mm. to strap it up yeah. to even go in and attempt to throw mm. a haymaker and catch some but that was that so me and a Polish fighter got the two bronze medals um, the Norwegian got beaten the final by Jericho Italian still fights in the UFC yeah Alessandro Jericho, yeah. Jichirigo, he was out of that. He's fighting all that longer. Yeah, he's he's still in the UFC as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Um, so he was there. Uh, he won. He beat the Norwegian in the in the final. Big Strobes, remember him? And the, they provided us with breakfast, lunch, and dinner in the campus. No, remember he never. Everybody else would have sat round, you know, had a bit of a laugh, you know, yeah. sat with each other, and no. all. He used to come in, get a couple of bits of like kitchen roll, lift a couple of bits of bread, wrap it up, and go to his room. That's crazy. Just uh, no, just a singular no. sort of mentality. Yep. But he ended up being became a first ever, I first ever MF world champion. So. And another fella who we'll be seeing very very shortly, Jose Torres, beat Carmen Nally this year before. The year before was, was it? Oh, geez, son. Oh, <laughs> first one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're you're after. No, uh, Jose Torres won the world championship two years in a row. Yeah, two thousand mm-hmm. two thousand fourteen and two thousand fifteen. Mm-hmm. Won the US IMAS. As well. mm-hmm. Both his like, his record before he turned pro was twenty five like, and one. Lost amazing. his first fight, correct? Holy shit! Amazing. Lost his first fight, my bag never lost another amateur fight. Mm-hmm. Two world titles, um, mm-hmm. two American championships. Yep. Obviously, to mm-hmm. qualify for the MAFs, 
the I guess seven Fs. Then Titan flyweight and bantamweight world champion simultaneously at the same time mm-hmm. before and then the UFC. UFC and now into Brave and now fight for Brave world title. He's fighting for the Brave world title in Bahrain on the fifteenth of November. He is truly a very amazing fighter against Marcel Adur, a guy with eleven first round finishes from so Philly or somewhere, isn't he? Chicago, Chicago. I knew it was one of them. Yeah. No, Detroit, Philly, Chicago yeah, fighters. You know, like aye. difficult places, hard as nails. People forget just because he's eloquent and he's friendly, people don't think that he's as fucking tough. That he's as much of a fighting gangster mm. because he's so friendly and so approachable. But he's you know in the cage, he's a nasty, nasty man. He won. He won the. He won the first that. Um, there's a couple of ones that are now fighting in sort of big promotions. In that first time half. Um, Lima. Female fighter from South Africa mm-hmm. fights on EFC. EFC yeah, mm-hmm. it's a big show now. Gigantic. Really stood out in that because she was a female fighter fighting at flyweight or bottom mm. or whatever weight she was in, but was knocking girls out. Yeah, like separating them from her senses. Not TK on them, not getting pulled off no, no, not, not 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 by the referee. Which, which in that weight division is tough. I mean, you don't even see that really in EFC. Yes, you get Yuani and Jurjek. Oh. Putting a beating on people, you but know, never be- clean, but never a clean KO apart from really Amanda Nunez or or, Cyborg, or your uh, Shevchenko as well. Yeah, as the other ones. yeah. So with your experience with the IMAFs and coming away with the bronze, which is a fucking huge achievement, mm. you know, and something that I don't think a lot of people realise that you know you you came away with the bronze in the World Championships in mm. MMA. That's huge because of the injury and because of not getting medically cleared. Was there ever? Uh, is there still a little bit of what if in your head? Ah, there is. That. <laughs> uh, there's always that there. You know, and then it just year after year sort of goes through, but there's always. I could have been a contender! I should have went back the next mm. the next year. But then the next year, well, a lot of people, it was, it was me, Danny Core, Rodney Moore, and Paul Murray had actually put the. Danny's obviously still carrying yeah, that yeah. one now. But we had the first meeting, the four of us, it was when Paul was still had Aaron Fit. Yes, that's right. Down down Titanic. Titanic or, yeah, that was a great gym actually. We met one Saturday or Sunday up in there after I came back and um, put the first team together. Put the first footstep to get, no to get the the you know, the Ulster yeah. yeah thing of that the, to get that, the, the IMAF to be under the IMAF on got the, got the ball got the ball rolling on that there and then um, helped then organise obviously the team for the next year it was a good team and like the next year Ross McCorson Stevie Moore Stevie Moore oh, Carl McNally Dennis Perry was on it holy shit and, uh, that was a good team right there and they had actually coaches went with them that year too uh, Danny and that what one. a luxury Hi, Danny I think they Rodney they were alive do they um, no but the thing I forgot to say about that uh, Lee um, didn't make weight he did the first day. you had to this was, the, this was the bit yes you had to make weight at registration then Lee was fighting the next day, so Lee went in on waiting so we we bit over and oh god love him. I wrapped them in black bin bags in the Vegas heat. This is Vegas now you're talking here, this is the thirtieth of June, middle of the summer in the desert. I wrapped them in black bin bags from head to toe, put a cotton track shit on them. So say you were wrapping basically in Vegas heat, middle of June. Cotton tracksuit, both top and bottom, basically underneath a makeshift sweatsuit of mm-hmm. what we would describe as black bin bags. Out into the car park at the University of Las Vegas, big massive car park too. I stood under a palm tree and basically laid on laps of the car park until we got the weight off him. It's horrific. So got him in, stripped them off, dried them off with a towel, um, put them on the scales, made weight. 
um, then obviously let them rehydrate because you can't stay dehydrated no, to that extent especially in that heat Vegas it was fucking 45 degrees or something how, how long did he have because it was the same day when so he was fighting the next day oh, this was at registration oh, you had to make weight at registration so he was due to fight the next day but that meant then he had to make weight the next morning again so this is the bit where people thought oh he went out there he spoiled the chance of a lifetime he never made weight he did make weight on say that was the Tuesday mm. he then had to make weight again on the Wednesday so was he not aware he had to make weight again did he go away yep. and, and refuel Re- refuel to a point where tried to refuel him as minimal as possible but at the same time you're in 45 degree in the middle of the desert you're going to have to drink you have to you can't not you can't be dehydrated and then stay dehydrated for another 24 no, hours. No, the danger, you, you have to, risk there. You have to rehydrate to a certain extent. And he was at middleweight. So what happened was rehydrate him up mm-hmm. a thing and the next day his body just wouldn't give it up. He was mm-hmm. literally a couple of pound over but even in the middle of the desert wrapped a bit. Sweat. He was bone dry. Wouldn't thing. Wouldn't, just body just would not mm-hmm. get it's as if it went into fight or flight and just you are not getting any more smoke there, yeah, you are it. not getting any more water out of me big lad it's 50 degrees and we're in the desert here but that's not the end of the story no, 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 it's no, it is, it's not, there, it's in, it does it's not every cloud because he went and he done something fucking spectacular he did we uh, so that was alright Lee bit down upset maybe the first one to tell you was tears shed that they know because he had busted his balls mm. trying for two days making weight didn't make it thought obviously the chance of a lifetime was sort of win but cover himself then focused on corner me and Lloyd helping mm. out warming mm. up done that then we got a I got a phone call from Ralph Cook yep I think he's actually going he'd be probably floating about by rain because the MFs are on too Ralph Cook and he says uh, Arne do you want to fight on Thursday I says or sorry Saturday I says Ralph, I'm still in the I have a semi-final. Mm-hmm. He's like, and what, whether I make it or not, and he says, uh, I need a light heavyweight. I says, for what? So he says, tough enough. Now, tough enough is perhaps the biggest amateur, amateur show in the world. And Ronda Rousey, yep. you name it, as all, most of them have all mm-hmm. been through tough enough. Full of uh, extreme couture and yeah. fighters and all Syndicate that. MMA. It's, uh, it's, it's literally... All the big ones around Vegas. The best amateurs in the world compete on tough. We've, we've, we've had guys compete on tough. And they put Mickey Dore and Dave Hill. They're a big show every year. They put mm-hmm. on... Pack the Mag. Pack the Mag. Free mm-hmm. ticket event, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, free ticket 5,000 or something. But this one here was in a casino down in the old town of Vegas. Yeah. Light heavyweight title. World title. Light heavyweight title. Against big Bobby something his name was. And I says that Lee here's me. But Lee might be up for that there. I mean Lee. Just shout it over me. Mm. Lee was sharing a sharing a room. Fancy fighting and tough enough for light heavyweight ten. Straight up. Aye, no boy. When they need to go and weigh in, blah blah blah. Down the wide in was obviously a couple of kilos light. Wide in, squared off, fight was made for the Saturday night. Saturday during the day, because we didn't have to worry about waiting all the most weird and wonderful way of preparing for a fight that night ever me and Lee went to my dad was staying in Hooters apparently it was the cheapest accommodation you could get for that I week in Vegas it was cheap love it was cheap so he's staying in Hooters so we went round to see my dad during the day Lee was fighting that night me and Lee lying beside the pool shorts t-shirt platter of chicken wings <laughs> Hooters chicken wings me and him sat with platter in between the two of us today lying there with sunglasses on fight yeah. Ate the chicken wings, went back, we decided for a bit of a laugh, 
we would go in and get Hooters Stringers out of the shop. So Lee walked in on a Hooters Stringer, me and Lloyd cornered him in Hooters Stringer vests. (laughs) (laughs) And he came out and Judy had cut, stopped her fell in the second round. Amazing. And has the tough enough light heavyweight title in his house which is a story in Balamina that's a story absolutely brilliant went and won a title so all in all it ended up being a real productive we were there for 11 days Mm -hmm. I came home with a bronze medal from the words Lee came home with a tough enough title Lloyd had absolutely he ended up coming home and going and finishing fifth in the world in in Japan Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks later in the Sambo but what Huge vibe. Just on record, Lloyd Manning is the funniest man I have ever had the pleasure of spending 11 days with. <laughs> See, for the first two days, he barely spoke to me and he was that quiet and shy. See, when that man came out of jail, my God. Different. I probably didn't help matters. I flew on my own right. to Vegas, just the way it was literally last minute. Mm-hmm. We had to try and claim a flight's bag, do a bit of fundraising. Then Stevie Moore done a bit of a whip round at a, one of the Kuma shows yeah. and that there. So basically, book your cheapest flights just in case we couldn't get any money back for them. So I flew from Dublin to Frankfurt. Yes, two and a half hours the wrong way. Frankfurt to Charlotte, North Carolina, and then Charlotte on to Vegas. For me leaving the front door of my house at Bally Clare to get into the fighter accommodation in Vegas, I was travelling for 29 and a half hours on my own. Oh, <laughs> last year. I, brilliant. But the flight from United Airlines flight or American Airlines flight from Frankfurt to Charlotte, nine and a half hours, but decent enough bit of comfort, mm. like jumbo TV screen up with full movie library on it. And um Wolf of Wall Street was on it, I hadn't even come out in the UK yet. Watched Wolf of Wall Street, Goodfellas and Donnie Brasco. So of course by the time I come out around thinking, yeah, capiche, you know, <laughs> talking like half American Italian here. <laughs> so then as I say, Steve Pellegrino ends up, he's from Saturday Night Fever territory, Brooklyn, New York. That's <laughs> this, how he this spoke. This fucking guy. That's <laughs> how he spoke. Me and Lloyd literally did not speak to him in any form of Irish, English or proper thing for the whole week we were there. <laughs> literally. Six like Sopranos. We were sitting going, Yo, Steve, get your fucking shine backs. <laughs> we got there for a whole day. <laughs> Torturing But then I got this day to be annoyed. When we moved, they've moved all the fighters to Excalibur for the last three days. Mm-hmm. And the way they divvied the rooms up, Lee was not me and Lloyd machine mm-hmm. room. Well, the time we were sitting in the room one night, me and Lloyd actually realised this is how we were actually communicating. <laughs> <laughs> and we both near fell over bed laughing. This had become your fucking oh, general. Big man from Bally Clare and Lloyd from Cork. And that's how we were actually, we'd done it the, that much. Wound Steve up that long. We didn't even subconsciously we were speaking to each other as if we were in an episode of good. <laughs> you were living your fucking jammy. <laughs> fucking brilliant. They were like, what the fuck are we doing? It's a quality experience all in. And Lee Lee couldn't get the thing. Like Lee just was all me that it just wasn't clicking. Wasn't clicking. Oh. 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 <laughs> oh. <laughs> he was trying to go everybody was just saying, What did he say? <laughs> <laughs> he just he, he just give it up after a couple of days. Probably expecting subtitles. Aye, so uh, Ollie McLean, the ultimate fighter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Bisping, the ultimate fighter too. The subtitled him. Uh, catch yourselves on. So but no, that was, was, Vegas, was was Vegas a particular highlight for you in your Vegas was the experience. Aye. Did you know? Did you know your last fight was going to be your last fight against John Ross? Um, was John Ross wasn't? Yes it? and no because more so yes. Because I sort of knew whenever I come back from Vegas with a bronze medal, I was going to just call it a day then. Yeah. That was it. You know, I wasn't going to get any better than a world championship bronze medal. Did I mean, no, that's 
That's me done. You know, just getting on a wee bit. Too. And um, well, you're 29 at the time we met. You're 29, 30. I was coming 30. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so you were 29. 29. That's what I was right. <laughs> but um, and then it was when I came back because the Vegas thing was sort of short notice, and nobody had been able to go over to it. So a wedding like, in your own terms. They were like, mm. everybody was like, you want to meet something? Like, oh, come on, have one more fight. Have one more fight. Over here, no school, we'll all go to it. Saying, right, so spoke to Paul on the Clan Wars card, 1st of November. Obviously, Halloween. So, the, I think it sold maybe like 170 tickets or something for that. Oh, I just got the wireless flashback. Your fucking dad's Hulk Hogan. Dad's Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, that just clicked. The whole, basically, I'd say I'd sold about 170 tickets for that, and there was a 52 seat Ulster bus was leaving from Bolly Clare. Mm-hmm. And they decided because it was Halloween, they were all going to go in fancy dress. So, I, honestly, I was still obviously they were mad at the time. I don't think they were mad I'd ever seen a site like this pulling up. There was Hulk Hogan, there was a Ninja Turtles, Braveheart was there, uh, there was a few morph suits, there was, <laughs> even the girls never were dressed up. That's superb. That so there he was, filled the queer section of the Ramada, and then they finished John, only submission victory ever had in the last thing, mm. rear naked choke in the second round. Yeah, I was going to say second round finish, and remember that, it now. That was it, that was it, done. But you're not, the, you're not done with MMA. Though. Our, oh, MMA, our MMA's not done with you. I'll keep my foot in the door, Philip, you know. And you've, um, moved, you've moved into to refereeing, officiating. We bit of refereeing, we bit of judging, we bit of commission. How did that come about? Was that something that you you that you had the in your head even while you were fighting you wanted to be no, involved no, in? The first time I'd ever done anything to do with an MMA show, I'd done Cage Door for Stephen Moore, Kuma, Kuma mm-hmm. and the first shows in the British Legion. Mm-hmm. Um just on the cage door for him and I ended up being that was a regular thing done the cage door for the first lot of Kumas then went to Templeton still done cage door there mm-hmm. then they sort of brought in the thing with the commission he sort of worked mm-hmm. with me obviously haven't done a wee bit with Danny in that there yeah. Danny Core. then now I do a wee bit of commission for um, Stephen on it um, the refereeing came about the first time I refereed a UFC and a wild duck in in Port Glen Wan I must have he was arranging that there he says Arne do you want to do a bit of refereeing I says aye so and then he threw me right into the deep end first two fights and I Mickey Young's fighters in both fights great now Mickey yeah. Young is a a fiery character with regards to the yes Sink or swim, big lad. Mickey Young, um, though, is an, is an absolute star. Oh, Mickey Young has fought Jose Aldo. Mickey yeah. Young is a tough motherfucker and a very cool guy, too. So but as you say, the young Spartans were, were fantastic. Brilliant team. Scary Magdalene, Paul Hughes. Yeah. I always remember one of Paul Hughes' first fights. I done Cage Door, Kuma, British Legion, mm-hmm. and down the Cage Door, and he was getting, like, he was mm-hmm. taking his t shirt. Paul, do you want a drink? No, I mean, I'll not be in there long enough to need one. <laughs> that's how confident that he is. Superb, though. He won oh, the weekend now, again. Now he backs it up now with being a. I mean, he is going but to he be a, talk word, about a, shit a world class. Nobody backs it up. But yeah. But that's, he's confident without being arrogant. You can tell he just has this well, unshakable have, have you noticed until recently here, Paul wouldn't even have called anybody out? It was only getting he, he, he had that many pull outs and he couldn't get matched. 
He sort of had to go to the stage, yeah. and even at that, there he still didn't get on that Bellator card, which in Dublin, which doesn't make sense, baffled me. Yeah, but fair enough, fair play. He's signed a contract with Cage Warriors now, mm-hmm. so hopefully, he'll be providing obviously with his hand, he stays injury free. Mm-hmm. He will move up the rank, isn't that? Because yeah. he is a phenomenal. I mean, I rolled with him the good old days of EFR. Mm-hmm. Um, Davy Parson again, every episode without doubt, Davy gets mentioned. Aye, we used to go there, Pete took me there. Prepare for my first fight. Mm. It says we're going to go to EFR sparring on Sunday. Ow. The thing was at the, bull, thing, the, thing, the thing was at the bull ring. The thing was at the bull ring because it was a new club. Everybody it was all we're, new. We're growing with each other. Everybody was. There was nobody really was essentially you know oh, he's, he's, he's the best fighter in the gym. Yeah. There was no, unless you were sparring with Peter Darn, there was nobody with any experience. Yeah, we were all just getting. Mm. We were learning off each other, but not to the point where. No, they say like if, if you're the best fighter in the gym, you're in the wrong gym, mm-hmm. or if you're the strongest person in the gym, you're in, you're the, in the wrong, wrong gym. gym. Yeah. Well, we had nothing there because we were also new and wet behind the ears, mm-hmm. not just off your mum's nipple type fucking thing, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> the vision the, I just got there, you know, fuck me, the <laughs> beard. You know what I mean? <laughs> so literally, there was there was no. So Pete says, "Arn, you know, we fight coming up, Clamors, Mum will go to EFR on Sunday." I says, "Right, no bother." Standard in, there's Big Ronan, uh, Tommy Quinn, mm. Michael the Doyle, Doyle, kid. Mm. Michael Doyle uh, Greg Loughran, Eddie Martin. <laughs> I, I, I think, right, no thing. I come home that day and my missus says to me, Were you away sparring or did you end up in a car accident on the way home? <laughs> I was battered. I was one, but see him again, one of them yeah, sink, or swim, moments, yeah. <laughs> sink or swim type jobs, and it was just in that. You say you learn more out of that than and just going in and, and walking through people. Oh, I took some absolute beatings up there, like oh, I some absolute beat. I mean, do people say that the fighting's the easy part of it? When you went sparring in EFR on a Sunday, there was you no. Were you weren't sparring; you were fighting. You were fighting, but there was no. There was any time I went in, especially when I not been obviously my former first fight. I knew going into that cage at Clam Wars. Nobody's going to be able to treat you. There's like no, they you know. No matter how hard this boy hits or how good this boy I'm fighting is, he's not going to be Ronan Mackay or Mickey mm. Doyle or Greg Rock. No. I mean, Greg Rock was still fighting. He just fought Eddie Alvarez and Bellator. He was back. Greg Rock is simply the best fighter to come out of this mm. out of the side. And I've said it for years, and he's still. And he if was he came back now. He'd mop the floor. It was only, I recognised Greg whenever I went in because of a tattoo. Mm. First time I ever went to an MMA show was about seventeen years ago. Was in. The Europa. Mm. It was in a ring. Yeah. Greg Lockran fought in that. Um, Peter Duncan fought Emmett McNally. Peter Duncan fought in, I'm not sure if it was in that show, um, Chris Stringer. Stringer. Stringer fought in that, and Rodney Moore headlined that show against a big Dutch fella. A black dude, it's French guy, we discussed this. Yeah, yeah. He can walk out to the cage like this, and honest to God, he had two hands on him like a lengthy shot. He's fuck out of me, that guy. But he can walk out in like a prayer position. And honest to God, his hands looked about the length of a long tail shovel. And Rodney <laughs> proceeded to beat Rodney proceeded to take him to the ground and absolutely pound. I think him. I fought in that show as well. Yeah. Maybe I've done that with yeah. uh, Tom Lamont, no? Yeah, I fought, I fought in that show as well. I was doing with uh, Graham Keyes and uh, at the time Frankie McConville. Mm. So. But no, that was, that was the first MMA show I was mm. ever at. But then going into a gym, and you know what anybody that hasn't been there for? It's like a wee pallet sale. Mm. Yeah. Best place for a lot of it takes it to a whole, the whole new mm. thing of that. There, I mean, literally, I 
learned more probably in there than what he did in Brian Murray too was kicking about like he was mm, slick be. on the ground mm-hmm. you forget is he, is he even 30 now would he be 29th 30th he is the, him and Tommy Quinn's the same way I think mm-hmm. our birthday's on the same day one of them mm-hmm. strange things moved to Newcastle and you forget how young he is because he's been such a fixture yeah so the landscape Tommy the Irish MMA yeah the two of them absolutely Tommy Quinn's an absolute animal scary lads so now you're you're now basically refereeing and what, what what's your next referee gig uh, referee wise what's your next judge gig actually next judge gig I um is this an exclusive <laughs> might be an exclusive I hinted at it with a wee flag on my, my social media the other day but yes um, I said about when one door closes and another one opens um, I say with a job front and then having mm-hmm. to go self-employed there but yes I'm away to Bahrain judging for Brave the mighty Brave Combat Man, Federation stuff. very happy for right so even though it's a quick turnaround we're flying out I land in Bahrain the Thursday morning shows the Friday, Friday night, night and then fly home on the Saturday again but a great experience that's, 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 that's you know very happy for you providing that mm-hmm. so out there had to pack suit and all so it'll be Oh, get Campbell in for a wee gym session. You can meet my gym buddy out in Bahrain. Yeah, I'll bring, bring the pads. Stuff, so if you're looking to sit down, bring bring in the pads. I refuse. Not only does Phil Campbell throw awkward punches, mm. being a southpaw, he is the most. I don't know how you put up with him going to you every week. I'm left handed as well. Oh, see, well, I two peas in a fucking pod. I remember the first time he ever gave the boy held pads for him. You're like, what the fuck are you doing? You told me I was hitting them wrong. You were. You were standing the wrong way. <laughs> but no that's true. looking forward to it being experienced no, like, obviously be I've done Brave I've done a bit of commission work for Brave, Brave whenever 13. they were whenever they were in the Odyssey mm-hmm. um, so that was an experience managed the, the most scary point I was learning that darn till even though you can hardly make them out speaking English fluent fluent Brazilian Portuguese, well, yeah. Portuguese fluent because he was a corner in um, Eric De Silva mm-hmm. yeah. in Dobra Bal and I was commissioning that corner so I was in the team checking um, gloves, checking gloves out and then had to do the walk and sit behind him in the mm. corner and then in the cage with him between rounds and that there and he cornered him for three five minute rounds in fluent Portuguese perfect he's uh, the to come full circle on that uh, Eric De Silva's fighting on the uh, the Bahrain card is he? yeah so. didn't even didn't even realise he was on it um that's 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 a that's a fifteen fight card like so nah, that's a good card be a, be a good show but yeah you kind of come full circle there haven't you? Bolly cleared a Bayrian. there's the old biography sort of Bolly cleared a Bayrian. Fuck, who's gonna play in the movie though? The Rock. Don't know. Rock's gonna have one more hair than me the way mine's going at the minute. I did, but no, it's um good opportunity. Good opportunity. Hopefully, go say hopefully get the foot in the door. And I know. From Mr. International here, oh, took Pitbull's nickname, so he has oh. Mr. Worldwide there. Yeah, you'll find me kicking about. Uh, right. If they, uh, if we're happy enough with me and want to fling out, I'm more than happy to mm. take up them. Corey Stills bags for him, you know. <laughs> no, he has different pin badges and his you blazers. Have, and you have some amazing, amazing stories. Absolutely phenomenal stories about a life, basically, in mixed martial arts, combat sports. Now into the personal training arena, and now taking up commission work slash refereeing with one of the world's most truly international organisations. As Mr. Campbell's passport will testify with his thumbs. that he's you've basically been jetting around the world now for uh, quite some time. It's been an amazing experience. Um, Phil obviously wants to, to know his question that we always finish with for people. So, just quite simply, how would you like to be remembered? Oh, just a big, nice fella from Bolly Clare will do me. Like, I don't need no nothing, <laughs> nothing else apart from that there. Um, Snail on the head, really, isn't it? That's it, man. 
big gentle giant who had a couple of fights. That's been a, a thoroughly lovely bloke. All yeah, incredible. Yeah. So see you, Barry. <laughs> Tell us this. Where can people find you? Let's do a wee bit plugging for you. Where can people find you on social uh, media? Or as Andy say, on my socials. On the socials. Um, on the socials. It's fucking thing. It's not a fucking thing. It is a thing. Yes. Fuck you. I'm right. Contact us via socials. Um, Facebook, Arn Wallace. Um, Instagram, Arn underscore Raw PT. The Raw PT Facebook page. And there's a, if you want to see me talk an absolute guff in the car, there is a YouTube channel with a couple of episodes covering a few things to do with health and fitness on it too. Happy days. Uh, you can find us on Not Another Fightcast on Facebook, Not Another Fightcast on Instagram, iTunes, Pincast. Like, mm-hmm. subscribe, share. Even if you don't like it, send us a message telling us why. Please leave a review as well, folks. Uh, say we're, we're breaking high into, well, say hi, we're into 50 of the top fitness podcasts in the UK. Our goal is to try and make it into the top 30 and push on from there. So if you do you have five minutes to yourself and you have listened to the show and you think we're cocks, leave us a review and tell us why we're cocks. If you've liked the show, then leave us a review and tell us why you like the show and just go and share it. Go and listen to your back catalogue. Obviously, Paul Murray, Danny Corr, the wonderful Gary Hamilton. We have Carlos Kramer. We have Paul Murray again. So look, we have got a massive back catalogue of people on the show now, the wonderful Andy Young. Please go back, give those a listen, a like, a share and a subscribe. And we can obviously hopefully build a, a bigger nation of followers and hopefully then give us some guest suggestions. Have you anything else for us, Phil? No, um, I'm happy to sign off there. So from uh, from me, Phil Campbell. Me, Andy Icon Burrows. And the thoroughly lovely Mr. Aaron Wallace. Thank you very much for listening. Folks, remember, fighting solves everything. <laughs> <laughs>